0: You dirty
1: cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends what the matter is the city. Now! The nightmare of insane murder from the depths of hell. Only at the Grindhouse.
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse. Where we drink coffee, talk about movies. I'm Leah Diana. Today, with my boyfriend and co-host Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reels to 1971. Two journalists try to solve a series of murders connected to a pharmaceutical company's secret experiments, becoming targets of the killer themselves. In the Cat O' Nine Tales, let's get into this.
1: The masters of tension, who gave you the bird with the crystal plumage, the picture that outpsychoed Psycho, have now made a film nine times more suspenseful. Cat and Nine Tales. To nine tails, it's nine times more suspenseful than the bird with the crystal plumage.
2: Before I met Sean, I was into foreign films, but they only stayed in the Asia department of the world, and maybe some some like really questionable Spanish. Telemundo soap operas. They're fucking funny when you, like, don't know the language and you're sitting there going, No! Margarita, do not slap me! Oh, you did it! Like, stupid shit like that, but you know. And then I was shown the beyond. And now I'm a dead bit obsessed with Italian Argento films. It's all your fault. I fully
0: claim the blame for that.
2: And now... Uh, I think I've purchased more Argento films for this household than you have. You have. <laughs>
0: and uh, I'm grateful for every single one because yes. I love Italian horror. I love giallo films. Uh, I love this niche, this subgenre. I think it's probably grown to be one of my like top favorite types of horror films.
2: And funny enough, the trilogy, quote unquote, that I became really interested in from the titles and images alone made me feel like, oh, we're going to get into some awesome horror movies. I picked what is called the Animal Trilogy. It kind of cemented his uh, Argento's distinct reputation and style as a giallo thriller. The problem is, these are what those are. Thrillers. So this is the second installment in the animal trilogy. The first one was the one we watched last year, which was the um, bird Bird with with the the crystal crystal plumage, Plumage, um, which literally was only a bird at the zoo (sighs) that made a distinct call that solved the case. This, the title and the image have fucking nothing to do with this film. And at first, I thought I'd be upset by it. But with the way Argento thinks, I really like his style of... It's not... I don't know how to describe his style of naming his movies, but it's like, it's what... It's it's this... This is what you think it might be, but it has nothing to do with the story that goes along with it. It has always to do with, like, the proverb of what it is.
0: Yeah, so he takes, like, essentially a... Uh... A, a small phrase. element, a phrase or um a like tiny part of the story mm. and then he'll name the movie that. Yeah. And it'll it kind of misdirects you. So you think you're going into something that maybe it's a little supernatural, maybe it's a bit uh I don't know, like somewhat otherworldly. Mm. But no, it's literally just a turn of phrase or it's uh, like in Crystal Plumage. It was just, oh, this was a small bird. physical bird, yep. which actually wasn't even a real bird. But nope. um, in the movie, it was a real bird. And it just so happened that that bird was near where the killer was. So yep. they ended up being able to solve the case based on just that.
2: based on that one thing. This was it was literally just a phrase. <laughs> That someone said in the middle of the film had nothing to do with the story itself, but it was just the phrase and how it was used.
0: Yeah, and it sort of it sort of meant, like, in terms of the context of this movie, it sort of meant, like, a there was a lot of avenues. Yeah. Like, there, there was, they were, like, kind of chasing their tails. Yep. So, A Cat of Nine Tails was like, oh, it could be this one thing, but it hit, there was all these offshoot um, Yeah possibilities
2: and i think my favorite thing about this is the here we have the arrow release 4k ultra blu-ray hear the fucking disc shaking uh the image that it is it's a black image with orange like paint splatter and it's a cat with nine tails and a woman who's just a blonde woman who's just been attacked none of this fucking happens in the film but it's a very interesting image because if you think about the way the movie plays out I kept, I, this was honestly one of the first movies. I didn't look up the synopsis. Usually I follow the synopsis with it. And sometimes I read ahead. I decided not to. Decided to go into this film because I really like Argento. And this image fit for the story itself. Because I had no fucking idea where they were going to take this. And that's where I think Argento is very creative with how his bad guys or his... The people that actually do the bad things in his films plays out. I think it's interesting.
0: You know that there's another meaning to the term cat of nine tails.
2: I do not. What does the uh, phrase mean?
0: So, the cat of nine tails, commonly shortened to the cat, Mm. is a type of multi-tailed whip or flail. ...that originated as an implement of severe physical punishment, notably in the Royal Navy or British Army. Ooh. Uh, they used it in, like, judicial punishment in Britain for... and some other countries. Uh, this was around 1681,
2: but... Are you saying this film was supposed to be a punishment? Or is that why it's in quotes? could be the the the, the title isn't just in, the title it's I, in quotes i
0: think it's in quotes because it was something said in the film
2: oh <laughs> shit man well before we uh, get too deep into this i would like to talk about our sponsor our affiliate sponsor for this wonderful video which is david's tea i bet y'all are absolutely tired of me talking about it but uh i just have one question do you have a killer thirst are you are you dying to murder your thirst with something anything how about a hot scalding beverage that could kill you if the temperature isn't right so make sure when you steep your tea to read the instructions to see what the temperature should be you don't want to kill yourself or the tea so follow the link in the show notes below to go to David's Tea and get your tea to murder your thirst today.
0: So as you said, this week we watched The Cat or Nine Tales. It's a 1971 Giallo film written and directed by Dario Argento. Um, this was adapted from a story by Dardano Sachetti, I believe is how his last name is said. This film stars James... Franciscus, Carl Malden and Catherine Speck. The movie re- originally released February 11th, 1971 in Italy, uh later released July 15th, 71 in like West Germany, August 11th in France. I don't know when it came out here. Mm. It does I don't have any information on the budget for the film, but its box office Initially was around 2.4 million. I don't have any information on the budget for this one. However, its box office initially looks like it was around 2.4 billion euros. Uh, I always forget what the sim- this exact symbol is. Lira. I'm sorry. Lira.
2: Italian lira. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say 2.4 billion.
0: 2.4 oh, billion lira. lira. Okay,
2: never mind. <laughs> like damn fuck you, James Cameron, and your movies. (laughs) You know, because his (laughs) movies are blockbusters. Here. (laughs) It's probably trash in Italy. Trash, I tell you. Trash.
0: I don't think it's trash anywhere. Trash in my mind.
2: Anyways. uh, mm. So, I'm going to read the back of the DVD box, because we don't have the back of the VHS.
0: Unfortunately, not yet.
2: Argentos are hard to find anywhere... So, it's going to take us a while to find these. I think we have one on tape.
0: Yes, we have a version of opera on tape.
2: Yes, which is one one from the 80s, right? I I
0: believe that's around when it came out. The version I have is actually titled Terror at the Opera, Mm -hmm. which I didn't even realize it was Argento's opera for a while. Yeah, I, I should have realized it because the cover art is very obvious. But, like, I didn't think about it. I was just like, oh, Terror of the Opera is some horror movie. But knowing now that I have one of Argentos is pretty awesome.
2: Following the success of his debut feature, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, distributor Titanus... Tr- Titanus... Taxed... Distributor Titanus... Tasked writer-director Dario Argento with delivering a follow-up in its short order. The resulting film granted a greatly enhanced budget and heralded, heralded in its U.S. marketing campaign as nine times more sus- suspenseful. So that nine cattle nine tails that its pres- precedent. Ugh than its predecessor was. The resulting film granted a greatly enhanced budget that heralded in its U.S. marketing campaign as nine times more suspenseful than its predecessor was Cat O' Nine Tales. I don't think that was translated very well into English. That sounds a little rough. Ah, English. When a break-in occurs at a selective genetics institute, blind puzzle maker Franco Arno, Carl Madden, Carl Mad... Mm-mm. Malden. Malden. I'm really bad at spelling. Like, really bad at sounding out, too, so... Uh, who overhears an attempt to-, to blackmail one of the Institute's scientists shortly before the robbery. Teams up with intrepid reporter Carl Carlo Gordini?
0: I think it's Gordina.
2: Gordine. Gordina. James Friend- Franciscus? beneath the planet of the apes that's the other movie we to crack the case but before long the bodies begin to pile up and the two amateur sleuths find their own lives in peril in their search for the truth and worse still Lori Francesca uh, Fra- Lori Franco's young niece may also be in the killer's sights this is the second entry in the so-called animal trilogy uh, a bunch of other information and then all the blu-ray crap Runtime is 112 minutes. It is a 2.35 by 1 aspect ratio. It is in color. It is Italian and English. We watched English. And it is English and English subtitles. We did not have the subtitles on. How do you feel about foreign films with subtitles?
0: I mean, I don't mind them.
2: How do you feel about anime with subtitles?
0: I don't really watch anime.
2: No, we, we used to be weeps. We are...
0: I don't think I was ever a weeb.
2: I'm a former weeb. Um, as says all the shit we just put in storage. I am definitely <laughs> a former weeb. Um, I had an obsession with one anime for a very, very long time. Still kind of do. I would like to finish it. Um, but it came out in 2005. It's called Fate Stay Night, if anybody knows what it is. Um, but if I say Fate Grand Order, everybody would lose their fucking minds. Fate Grand Order came off of Fate Stay Night. It's a tight moon. Anime. It's one of the biggest animes now, but back when I started watching it like 18 years ago, nobody gave a flying fuck about it. Let's just say that. Um, But it really cemented my love for having subtitles on. As you know, when I watch anything else without you, it's always got subtitles on it, which... Are you okay with me having subtitles on some things?
0: I mean, I, I've i learned to live with it mostly, not because of you, but because a lot of people I know do that. Mm. And partially, I think it stems from a need to have that other point of reference so they can not pay attention as well.
2: I feel like it pushes me to pay attention more.
0: I I don't know what it is like. I personally like I pay attention to movies, so I find it kind of distracting if I'm actually multitasking
2: during a movie. You do Mm -hmm. notes, you're looking up facts, and you still know what's happening. Yes, I'm sitting there looking stuff up, having to do this, and I'm like, I fucked up. Like I can't do two things at once sometimes, unless I've seen it and I know it. Yeah, then I'm okay with doing that. But like, your multitasking is fucking phenomenal.
0: I try. (laughs) To clarify something that we talked about Mm. already, the cat of nine tails does not directly refer to a literal cat, nor to the literal multi-tailed whip. Rather, it refers to the number of leads that the protagonists follow in the attempt to solve the murder. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that because we were a little muddy before.
2: And let me tell you, by the time you get to the middle of this, there are too many leads, too many suspects too much happening but once the bodies start to drop the suspects start to go dwindle and honestly this threw me threw me threw me floor oh, i can't talk today this threw me for a loop on who it actually was
0: yeah uh, i i wasn't sure which direction they were going to go because argento made a choice in this one that he he chose to rather than going with the traditional giallo format where you'd have like this black glove killer or this like shadowy figure moving about you never see the person in any form other than a extreme close-up of their eye so like they're always off frame they're like in the uh, in the dark they're behind something we see through their point of view but we never see a hand or anything so he kind of kept it ambiguous. Oh, is it going to be a man? Is it going to be a woman? Is it going to be something we've never seen before? Mm. Like, it it was really a interesting choice.
2: All right, so let's break down this motherfucker, shall we? What is wrong with me lately? All right, so we open the movie with seeing a unknown individual breaking into Terzi Medical Institute, which... Is explained. They do a lot of genetics testing. Um, Sounded like they also did uh, sperm storage, egg donor storage, stuff like that. Um,
0: Basically, a lot of handling of genetic material.
2: But they were also working on some hush-hush secret secret projects. Um, Only to kind of get the Italian names. Not. You don't have to pause it. No, no, you're fine. Fine. This might just be a little bit more cutting for you. I want to read a little ahead, kind of make sure it's not, I thought it, it said Calabrizzi and I thought it was giving us the killer already. Like the fuck? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it opens with, um, individual breaks. and stuff. At that point we see, um, a blind gentleman and a young girl walking down the street Um, His name I refer to as Cookie. As the little girl says, he's sweet and kind and something like that. And it's her uncle. Um, And her name is Lori. So they're walking down the street and they kind of like... He eavesdrops and hears someone in a car say something about money or like, like, like blackmail or something. And he was like... Lori, can you describe what you're seeing over there? I'm going to tie my shoe. Okay. So she says it. She's like, I can't see the other man, but this is what the other man looks like. And you're assuming that you know, she's seen something a little, a little questionable at this point. All right, what's happening? Um, parallel to that, someone right next door, because they live right next door to the Institute, is breaking in and rummaging through things, but you don't see him steal anything. You just see him kind of like, fumbling about in the place
0: i think uh i think it's really cool how and this goes throughout the entire movie but i think it's really cool that argento emphasizes the sound design during this opening yeah he does it in such a masterful way like since like we're being introduced to a blind character so like we're noticing the smaller subtler details that only he would notice in his surroundings Mm -hmm. so he overhears this conversation throughout the film he he'll pick up on like when he's uh we see him alone in his office a little later uh he hears a car pull up outside where like most people wouldn't notice that yeah it's just these small things that like i thought were really interesting
2: like you're at one point i commented he's in his office and he turns the lights off because Lori's going to bed and I was like, it, to me, seems very weird if you were to walk into a room, knowing that this person is blind, but all the lights are off and they're just sitting in the dark. What? To us, it's uh, it's jarring. It's unnerving. But to them, it's like, like you said, why do we need lights on? Yeah, it makes sense. Like, why waste the electricity?
0: Why pay more money if you can't see anyway?
2: Right? But to me, it's like, if you were to walk in a room and be like, dude, why are you in the dark? And he's just sitting there going, what? What? And just, like, blankly staring, I'd be like, either you blind or I'm about to die.
0: I have to give it to Carl Malden in this movie, because he portrays blindness so well. So
2: well! Like, I, mean, I honestly shit.
0: questioned for a minute, because I recognized the actor from other things, but I didn't really, like, I wasn't positive that he was the person I thought he was, mm. So I, like, I even had to go and look and like be like, was this guy actually blind? Because he nails this. Mm.
2: And I knew I recognized him from other movies, but the one movie I recognized him from was Pollyanna with Haley Mills. Of all things. Of all things. He's done so many things. He's done a couple more Argento films, as it looks. He's also did A Streetcar Named Desire. I do not remember him in that movie. Um... And then I saw Pollyanna, I'm like, yeah, that's where I've seen him before. Yep. But this guy's been acting for fucking decades, yeah,
0: man. We're talking, he was in On the Waterfront, Patton, Streetcar Named Desire, a movie called Baby Doll from 56. He's a major character in the West Wing, I think. Like the television oh, no, Not a major series? character, he just, he just shows up in the West Wing. Oh. Uh yeah like his career is extensive
2: is he dead
0: uh he yes unfortunately he passed away in July of 2009
2: damn man we keep losing the good ones don't like it all
0: the good ones are gone
2: all the good ones gotta go eventually
0: to make way for the shitty ones
2: Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say this right now. I'm a fan of 40s, 50s, 60s. I really am. 70s movies. What's with the newer kids of today? They just... They're not...
0: I mean, to be fair, there are a lot of extremely talented actors these days. Yeah. But there are also a lot of mediocre actors.
2: I mean, so far, Jenna Ortega is... Stunning me. Um, She's
0: she's on a good, good trajectory.
2: Most of the kids from the Midnight Club were fucking incredible with sensitive material.
0: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Mike Flanagan could polish a turd. Into the greatest actor in the world.
2: (laughs) We give Heather Langenkamp a uh, career again.
0: She never lost her career.
2: I was was just, I wanted to see the fire in your eyes. (laughs) You
0: listen here. Heather Langenkamp is a fucking national treasure. And she only stopped acting because she wanted to. (laughs) She found a different avenue to travel and made a pretty damn great career out of it with her husband. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say to make fun of me
2: now? See, the fire was lit. He defended his 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 childhood crush. What, what are we gonna say? She's hot. Do you know what's still today? She's still. She's
0: still hot. Fucking gorgeous.
2: When she came on screen, you smiled a little, and I was like, ah, oh, ah.
0: Oh. It wasn't because of that, but no, but it was
2: more because it was really cool to see her in yes a different role than Nancy Thompson. Oh my God. I like seeing her and I I will say this now I am so upset we're not getting that fucking season 2 so I know. fucking upset.
0: You know like it's the same the my reaction to her and that was the same reaction I have every time I see Barbara Crampton do something. Yeah. Because it's like you had you were like a a starlet then of sorts like in the the horror genre at least mm. and your career went away for a little while, but now they're resurging. Like, Barbara Crampton's doing more now than she ever did in the 80s, and she's amazing still.
2: I will say, I did not know who Nev Campbell was at all because she did other stuff but Scream, and I thought Neve Campbell was a one-hit wonder with Scream, and that was it. I didn't know she had a huge fucking career. You don't know that these horror films actors and actresses have huge careers because the horror movies like they put you in this little niche you get stuck in this character and heather langenkamp's character in the midnight club while still a horror type show it was horror for a different fucking reason and it hit so hard And I will say, if anybody's very interested in knowing what season two of Midnight Club was going to be, Mike Flanagan put up the entire fucking synopsis on his um, Tumblr. Whole thing. Both of us read it. Sean was really excited with where he was going to go with a lot of the characters, Um, the, the way some of the characters ended up or what happens to them. Broke our fucking hearts instantly when we read it, but we knew where he was going at the end of season one and how it was going to end up. But I expect great things from that director, like Argento. He's building this fucking world with all of his horror. Shows not just being pure horror, but they are
0: the deeper. They're There's deeper. They touch to
2: the human soul in different ways. Where House of uh, the Haunting of Hill House was a story of how a family crumbles. Um, you know, Blind Manor was like generational trauma and how it affects you. And the Midnight Club was what happens when the real world horrors are placed well, right in your face. Yeah, it
0: was more like it was about facing the inevitability of death
2: and it was heavy yeah some of those um scenarios because you go through obviously the midnight club honestly it is. are you afraid of the dark for us as adults yeah and it soothed my poor little snick horror heart my snick horror (laughs) um heart i don't think the newbies would know what snick is that was saturday night saturday night nick where you had nick jr during the day for kids and snick was for us at night
0: it's not our problem that they are uneducated in the ways of snick
2: hey be gentle.
0: No, go you easy know what? on. Know what? No, these 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 youngins, these these Gen Zs, these newbies, they're all harsh and shit with us. Get woke, guys. Get woke.
2: <coughs> do they? Do they need to know?
0: Oh, they need to know. <laughs>
2: do you know how old you sound right now
0: i don't give a shit
2: you're like this 80 year old get off my lawn watch some things that'll educate you listen we know
0: i'm like horror movies we both know that i'm gonna grow into fucking clint eastwood from gran torino
2: we're gonna have a shotgun there's gonna be no shells in it just so you can go get off my lawn oh my god Then I'm going to have to come out going, it's a prop from a set. He's doing a thing. Get in the house and take your medication. Go, go, go. Guys, do whatever you want. Yeah, but I'm going to be the witchy lady at the end of the street. Going, you want some herbs? Do you want some fruits? With
0: 100,000 cats.
2: (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. You leave leave number one and number two alone out of
0: 500. We should probably get
2: back to the movie. Speaking of cats. (sighs) Or the lack thereof. Alright, so after the two of them see this, they go home. He puts Lori to bed. Cookie, I know his name is different, but we're going to go with Cookie because I love it. Uh, he goes into his study. He starts doing his crossword puzzle. Like, an actual, like...
0: He's... I thought he was doing one. He's, he's designing one. He's
2: designing it because he tells, um... Carlo, who's the reporter, which we're going to talk about after, he tells him, I used to be a reporter, but I can't really do that because of an accident. I was not born blind. I became blind. So he now creates the crossword puzzles for the newspaper, which is really cool. So he comes up with the questions and he aligns it and sends it in. Very awesome. But like you said, he heard a car door. He heard some commotion outside. So he goes to look to listen and I guess whoever was in the car, you can see the camera pan up and is watching Cookie, like staring at him going, what are you what are you looking at? What are you what are you looking at, old man? Like, why are you just, you know, paying attention to me? So after this happens, we go to the next scene where we are introduced to reporter Carlo. I'm not going to go for his last name because I suck.
0: Giordani.
2: Giordani. That's
0: what they call him throughout the entire movie like I was paying attention I
2: was was in the film not the names I don't care about names oh my god so uh Giordani uh has been covering break-ins and he goes to the institute to kind of meet with everybody to kind of discuss it what's happening um and on the way Cookie stops him I was like, what's happening? What's going on here? What's, what's, what's up? Like Giordani like kind of explains it a little bit. He's he oh, okay. All right. Cause you get the sense like cookies, his reporter senses are tingling, but he can't really do anything.
0: This is slightly off topic, but the moment we met Giordani here, the only thing I could think was like, he, this is our standard chiseled jawed Steve McQueen type.
2: Blue eyed, blonde hair. Yep. <laughs> Handsome. I didn't know he was handsome, but...
0: On another note, did you notice there's a lot of English-speaking actors in this one?
2: Yeah, the only people who were Italian was the old man they owned the company.
0: The lockpick guy. The
2: lockpick guy and the photographer that Giordani works with. Yep. They were the only three because with Dario Argento films or any giallo-type films, they are overdubbed. <laughs>
0: generally yes generally
2: because what they do and if you know you've seen the trailer for pieces um when we still had video um you'll notice that everybody's talking in their own language you get the script the script is in your language They tell you, okay, you're going to speak in your language and then we'll dub it over for different audiences. So that's why we could watch it in Italian, even though these are English actors. Did you also notice that the gentleman who plays Cookie was the only one that they were using his actual voice in the film? It was not overdubbed at times.
0: Yeah, and I I honestly wondered why that was. Maybe his recording was just spot on or they couldn't get him back to do... A dub? It's possible. Like, I don't know. Because you'll
2: notice, like, depending on where he's standing in the frame, his voice either has to be louder or softer. And I noticed there's a scene where he's sitting down and talking and he's like, hmm. And we can hear the hmm and his words sync clearly. But then you go to Giordani, who's talking to his Italian actor. And this is in English. So you're thinking, oh, they'll just use the English. Both of them are overdubbed because there's a lot of commotion. In that scene when they're talking in that room, and the commotion is even dubbed.
0: Well, general rule of thumb in Italian filmmaking, at least then, was that you would record the dialogue in native tongue on set, and then everyone would overdub all of their dialogue in post as well. Yes. So, I think it was more, they did that to be, like, make it more clear. Mm in the post process so like it wouldn't feel weird when one person was very obviously the dialogue was recorded on set and then the other dialogue was in post. Yeah. You'd be able to tell very easily so I think they used to do that to kind of flatten it out.
2: I mean and what I think is funny Mm. is it's people will understand when I say the dubbing of the old Godzilla movies where you see somebody go like move their mouth to say, you no, know, and they're going, look, there's Godzilla and they're still talking. And you're like, the fuck <laughs> it's more understandable with movies like this, because at least the Latin based languages are easier to kind of like, yeah, the mouth doesn't fit, but the words kind of are the same like same length. length. Yeah. In, Uh, languages such as, you know, Korean, Japanese, uh, Mandarin, um, other languages that are, you know, more... Uh, based off of It's not a, It's like symbols I know it's not symbols It has a different
0: Like kanji uh, and yeah, stuff Yeah
2: kanji and stuff Which is Japanese But you know it. It's harder to understand those languages For us Because our language comes off A Latin based language That's why for us It's harder <laughs> to learn those languages But in turn I've been told that English Is one of the hardest languages To learn in the world
0: Yeah and that's just because We assign so many meanings To the same word There, I mean, there and there yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: I'm 37 years old. I still confuse them. There's time, guys. There is still time for you to understand. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a, a decent job, and I still mess up emails to people. <laughs> and I get called out, and I'm okay with it. So we're introduced to Giordani. Um, he and uh, his photographer friend go to... Institute. They take pictures. They're talking to people and whatnot. Um, after they leave, after they leave, they're going to cover something else. And we go back to Cookie in his office with Lori and Lori has the newspaper and she says, oh, do you want me to read you newspapers? Says, oh, no, not right now. And, uh, and Lori says something like, oh, that guy died. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? That guy died. The one that I saw in the car. Read the article then. So she reads the article where it says that um, Calabrese was killed in an accident. He fell in front of a train. And let me tell you, that scene was awesome.
0: That was Watching really awesome. Watching him
2: smack his head on the train and then fall and then get decapitated by the train.
0: Yeah, you see his body just, getting just like ripped
2: tumbled. apart. Oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> yes, that is alcohol. cool. Um yeah they don't pull punches, uh, argento thank God
0: never does, and never will
2: um and then she reads the news article and then he has a hunch that the photograph the way the guy is falling on the train because um Giordani's friend who's the photographer, happened to be there for a news article about an actress um coming into town, and he caught a picture of the guy falling in front of the train, and uh cookie had a hunch that. The photo might be cropped, and the photo will confirm if he fell or not. So he goes to meet uh, Giordani and says, hey, do you still have that picture that you put in the newspaper? He's like, oh, my my, my guy would have it. Okay, can you tell him to blow, do the whole negative? Just just take a picture of the whole negative, you know, proof it. Okay. He does while he's on the phone, and he's like, there's an arm there that looks like he got pushed and it was trying to pull away quick. And he's like, son of a bitch, somebody, somebody tried to, somebody killed him. So now, all right, let's, let's, let's go get that picture. Let's bring it back. Let's figure it out. All of a sudden, the photographer starts to hear strange noises in his apartment, goes out and is like, why are these pictures knocked over? What's happening? Or no, his studio. I'm sorry. It was a studio, not his apartment. Why are these pictures knocked over? What's happening? And he gets strangled. He gets strangled with what looks like piano cord. Yeah, is it always piano cord.
0: Piano cord was like a common thing that people would get strangled with in Italian films. Uh, I think because it's a very brutal way to strangle somebody.
2: Like piano cords are fucking like They're
0: sharp, sharp, and, like,
2: and they hurt. And no, thank you. Um, uh,
0: something I'd like to note is that it was about this point in the movie where I really started to notice argento's patented vibrant color palette yes. seeping into the film
2: blood is never red colored it is bright red it's
0: bright red <laughs> the so he washes entire scenes in like gorgeous color like in this scene uh, the dark room is lit in green yeah which is really interesting because traditionally it's lit in red yep um characters throughout the film always wear pops of color so at one point uh early on uh, giordani's wearing accents of red Mm. and then like you'll see other characters wearing like a red tie i noticed that the police were wearing they were patterned but they one was wearing a green pattern tie the other one was wearing a blue pattern tie Mm. and just all these pops of color just keep seeping into the movie. And I just love the way Argento uses color. It's always vibrant. It's always, it always grabs your attention to even the subtlest details.
2: And it's not even pointing out like, oh, you should pay attention to this person. No. It's just for color sake.
0: It's to make the image more interesting to look yeah. at.
2: And nothing is more interesting than when now the reporter, uh, Giordani, is getting more involved. And he wants to speak to... A lot more of the people um, involved in the case. So he decides, all right, I'm impressed with you, Cookie. Let's, uh, let's join forces and try and figure this out. So he and Cookie join forces and they observe nine leads. This is where Cat of Nine Tails come from. Uh, the Institute scientist, which is Eason Braun, and the director, Teresi. Teresi's daughter, Anna. Bianca, which is Calabrizzi's fiancé, and a couple of other people. Um, Calabrizzi was originally a suspect, but yeah, he's dead now, so... <coughs> Excuse me. They discuss the original break-in, the missing photos, and they make a joke saying that the case is like um, like a cat-of-nine-tails, and, and they decide to resolve, try and resolve each lead. So each one of them is going to try and resolve one of the leads. Uh, Carlos, or um, Giordani... Sorry. Giordani decides that he is going to interview Anna, which is Carizzi's daughter, um, who reveals that they have been researching XYY syndrome. This study suggests that people with XYY chromosomes have criminal tendencies, meaning that if you have this chromosome built in your genetics, you are more likely to kind of not understand right from wrong and you will do more things that are more criminally known. So like break-ins, burglary, uh, petty theft, things like that, even up to murder. Cookie and Lori go to meet Bianca, who was Calabrizzi's fiance. Um, She proves no indication, no nothing. But Cookie asks what the noise was while they were talking to her. And Lori mentions that she was nervously playing with a locket which was a watch around her neck the whole time. She had like nervous tics and Cookie paid attention to that. He's like, okay, all right. Later on that night, Bianca decides to go to Calabrese's car, which um, had an unnerving amount of parking tickets on it, obviously, because the guy is dead.
0: (laughs) Before you go too much further, Mm -hmm. it's worth noting that XYY syndrome is a real thing.
2: It is a real thing. Correct.
0: And, uh, yeah, like it is. It's not primarily uh, connected to behavioral issue, but that is like one of the one of the symptoms of it. Essentially, uh, behavioral problems or in, increased impulsivity are um, included in some of the side effects of having an extra Y chromosome.
2: Huh. Oh. What if that has anything to do with somebody I know that has obedience disorder?
0: I mean, it's possible.
2: Where when they were younger, they were very violent, lashed out, very angry. They're better now. Um, I have not talked to this person in a very, very long time, but I hear now that they're doing much better. And, but when they were much younger, like one of the examples was their parents. Uh, had to call the cops on them to have them taken to um, Children's Institute here. Um, kind of to help her out or to help them out. And uh, she slammed a cop's hand in a door, which caused him to have surgery. Jesus. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad when I heard about that. When I was like, holy shit. But, you know, s- shit like this does exist. Like... Y- there's, there has to be some reason why people like Dahmer and Gacy existed. Like, you're telling me that a, a nice kid from a decent family, I know nothing about these two killers, so don't, don't go after me. Or you're telling me that this person who, you know, lived a normal life by society standards was a cold-blooded killer and there was nothing genetically or mentally wrong with them? Like, I could never imagine, you know, cold-bloodedly killing someone. Like, what What in their minds, like, what makes you go snap like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see. Going back to... So Bianca um, goes to Calabrese's car and finds a note detailing the killer's identity. She hides it in her locket. Um, she returns to the apartment unfortunately, after she calls Giordani and says, hey, we need to meet. I found something. Um, he and Cookie were planning on going to meet her. Uh, killer comes in and strangles her with piano cord again. Which, did you notice that the blood was pink? Uh, it kind of looked like they had nothing on set, so they gave her Pepto and she just kind of had Pepto in her
0: mouth. <laughs> I doubt that that was the thing, but... Um... No, I didn't really notice. Uh, generally, the blood is so vibrant that I just kind of probably accepted it.
2: I know, like, but to me, I was like, "Is that bubble gum in her mouth?" <laughs> like, uh, but the killer tries to go through the
0: locket. Oh, I think I know what you mean. I think uh, that I believe was it's supposed to look like she's foaming at the mouth.
2: Oh, okay.
0: So it would be. the piano a cord bit... make you foam at the mouth? Uh. I- I think it's more to like
2: dramatic effect. So
0: yeah, the Argento has a, a really intense way of making his murder scenes feel like as harsh and brutal as possible. So yeah, <laughs> like the strangulate all the strangulations throughout this one, they they feel really violent and realistic. Yeah. So like I think that the foaming of the mouth thing was like a way to enhance the like tension of that moment and make it feel like it was a much more visceral attack than it really was yeah so like the foaming at the mouth kind of just adds like a layer to it
2: and she was going like oh like yeah. she was struggling like hardcore um the killer searches the locket
1: a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans may be for you.
2: Learn more at uh1.com. Searches everywhere, but cannot find the note that she hid. I assumed at this point she took the note out. I was like, oh, she was smart. She took the note out. Or after the killer opened it, the killer did find Like, it was very unclear. I was like, did he find it? Didn't he find it? Like, did she I mean, move it?
0: I assumed that since we didn't see him remove it, it was, uh, he couldn't find it. Yeah. Either she took it out or it was, like, well hidden inside this thing.
2: Yeah, I was like, oh, all right. So... The next day, despite receiving threats, Doctor Mom Ma M O M B E L L I yeah. Doctor decides to talk to um, Carlos and Cookie. Um, even though he's getting death threats and being threatened, he explains the entire thing um, that um, everyone in the institute um, submitted blood samples to be tested for the research. At the same time, Dr. Casino speculates the testing for X, Y, Y may become a method for crime prevention. Um, that night, both Cookie and Carlos um, avoid their kills. Uh, but we're not really sure what happens to Cookie. All we hear is a phone call that Carlos get, uh, Carlo gets. Just says, um, "I barely managed to escape my apartment, or I barely managed to escape." He's coughing. He said there was gas or something. He goes, "Be careful! They're they're gonna come out." Yeah, to they you. like
0: sabotaged his gas, uh, his
2: propane valve or yeah. whatever. So this is not in the synopsis. So I'm gonna do my best. We're gonna backtrack a little bit. So before um, Cookie calls him and warns him, we see carlo getting to his apartment and what appears to be what i thought what appeared to be um two little packages of ice cream they looked like ice cream or i'm sorry rice balls like onigiri in little containers and i'm like all right why don't we just leave that there and then in the scene prior to that you see someone injecting something into these and i'm like what the fuck what what is this what is going on so carlo goes into his home he puts them down um, gets his mail, um, makes a call. Gets knock on the door. Well, who the fuck's here? In walks Anna, which is uh, Tarici's daughter. And this woman, the entire movie, she is wearing one-piece costumes. The first one we saw was pink. The next one was green, purple, and then they fade to neutral colors. Did you notice that?
0: Yeah. She. Uh, this woman also. this is more of a note on her performance Mm. but she is so vacant and
2: dead in the eyes
0: dead in the eyes and lifeless throughout this movie but i it it almost makes her feel like a doll like a, a moving doll like she feels very rigid and I, I almost wonder if it was a choice, like either by Argento or by the actress, to kind of make her feel like the this is the representation of the perfect, the, the ideal yeah. woman. And Honestly, yes. It was so weird at first, but you kind of get used to it as that idea formulates.
2: For what the information we find out a couple scenes later is, I believe you are correct. Um, she walks in. And she... I, I don't... What was she there for? Uh, we know what she was really there I for, think she... she was,
0: I think what, she was there to hook up, personally. Literally,
2: this woman just shows up in a outfit that is Velcroed.
0: I apologize for the noise. Our neighbors have decided that podcast day is the day to do work outside.
2: <laughs> they don't know it's podcast day. Actually, if they can't hear us, <laughs> for God's sake, some days. She just shows up and is like oh hey how are you meanwhile these two little things of like I don't know what's in them is sitting on the coffee table okay and I'm the the whole scene I'm like are you gonna open the packages what's in these packages like why are you just like what is happening I don't understand what's happening and I'm uncomfortable so we get to the part where she's sitting on the couch and they're discussing things and what does he say to her did you know that right now uh, approximately 700 people
0: are making love Are
2: making love in the city? And she was like, is so, that your way of coming on to me?
0: Yeah, it was like he threw out this, he was kind of trying to break the silence, the yeah. awkwardness, by throwing out a... Uh,
2: fun sex fact.
0: Like a, a fun fact that would catch her off guard but she was expecting it because
2: she was like oh is that the line you're gonna use to get in bed with me and he's like well i was just trying to break the tension and she what no no, 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 wait no
0: No. she said she says
2: uh see i knew you'd know what she said
0: is that the uh the line you're gonna use to get me in bed and his response is the smoothest thing I've ever fucking heard because he said, Well, the couch is pretty comfortable.
2: Peanut butter. Boom. Creamy peanut <laughs> butter. As sticky butter. Oh, God. No, not butter. That wasn't smooth. Butter. Because she unvelcros her top. Unvelcros. Unprovoked. <laughs>
0: It was hilarious. And
2: out Pops, I apologize to this actress, but she's so skinny. It's just ribs and boobs. And her boobs do not, they do not look very good. No,
0: they look like something that an evil dead hag would have. She looked <laughs> like weird. Melisandre, uh,
2: uh, the red woman. When she finally took off the necklace at the end of Game oh, of Thrones, oh
0: god, yeah, that's
2: what she looked like, and I'm like,
0: they were they were not good boobies.
2: She's supposed to be this guy's good. daughter, like a 20 year old woman. I'm like,
0: it's just the way she built. It's the
2: way her her body is built, and she was so skinny, you saw all of her ribs, and I'm just sitting there going, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, titties. Oh god, I didn't know we were watching Return of Evil Dead again. <laughs> Because that's what it looked like. It looked like the, I can feel myself rotting. It looked like that thing. Oh,
0: yeah, from uh, Reve- uh, Return of the Living Return Dead. Return of the Living Dead, Dead. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you know when I'm having a bad day at work, I love to send that gift to people? Which one? I can feel myself Self rotting. Rot. <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, are you having that bad of a day? I'm like, it's a pain day. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> um, then all of a sudden is the most awkward transition of her lying on the couch, just what looks like to be applying lip balm, doing this. You guys know what I and mean. And him just lip-
0: staring at, and him just staring awkwardly. with those blue
2: eyes. <laughs> and then they try to kiss, and like then there's a then there's a they film between the two bags, which they're now leaking a white substance. Yep. And I went. Argento, I see what you're you doing sly there, sly fox. We can't show the cum, so why not have? Sorry, the bags of milk, which blew my mind. Okay, blew my mind. The bags of milk <laughs> leaking, symbolizing. Oh, he came. Now my question <laughs> is, in or out? Where did it go?
0: Do you really want to I, know? I, I want to know hard, hard <laughs> facts.
2: I need to know hard facts. I'm a pervert. Anyways, at this point, they move from the couch to the bed, and he goes. Would you like some milk? And I'm like, milk? All right. And he picks up one of the bags, rips it open, and starts pouring it into two glasses. I'm like, the milk's been on the table for like the last hour.
0: Wait, I'm going to stop you right there. Oh, boy. Because I fucking loved that moment. Why? Because I don't know if you realize it, but they set this up so early on in the fucking movie and it's done in passing. You probably didn't even notice it. But early on, they have some some character, I don't remember who says it, but somebody mentions that in Italy, they don't keep their milk refrigerated like they do in the states. So the like milk and you have to think at this time milk was probably still being delivered every morning in the glass bottles right outside your door. So, they essentially, so you'd you'd basically use it that day. If you didn't use it, you'd throw it out. Like, that's just how it was. And so, once we got to this scene and I realized that it was milk, I was like, holy fucking shit. They set that up in passing way at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) And then just to get us to this moment.
2: Is it because they realized people in the United States would go, (laughs)
0: well, probably you were working with American actors, so they were probably used to it being...
2: Why was there a bag of milk? What is happening?
0: Yeah, it's different there.
2: Honestly, my mind... I I paused for a while. I know he's going to shorten that. I paused for a bit. My mind is actually fucking blown by that. (laughs) Because we're a country where everything is, like, pasteurized. Everything is processed. So our eggs... They they white they clean that protective layer off of our eggs, so we have to refrigerate them. In Europe, they don't do that. You can leave your eggs right on the counter. Doesn't matter.
0: No, I think there's still some places where you can have your milk delivered every single day. Yes. And like you don't have to keep it refrigerated like, like it's
2: here it's not the same but here where we live we have a company called Monroe Dairy you can have your milk uh, what every, it's like week. every week every yeah. week you have a, like a refrigerated box that they deliver you deliver to and you can get a couple gallons of milk you can get chocolate milk you get butter you can have pre-made food um we also had the Swanson dude who would deliver shit like that too but we don't, you can't really have raw milk here. And if you do have raw milk, there's like, it can make you sick, it can do all this shit. In other countries, they're like, yeah, you can drink it. That's fine. Drink it if you want. Whatever. But like in America, everything's so regulated. That's why we're having such a problem with eggs. Yeah. Like our eggs, how high did it get to over here? Like five something for a dozen? For, no, it was like seven and change. Seven and change for a dozen. And then we decided to get organic eggs, which were how much for 18?
0: Four and change.
2: What the f- When did organic? And we don't drink, we don't drink milk. We drink soy milk <laughs> in this house.
0: No, we couple of lactose (laughs) I'm not
2: lactose intolerant I just have diseases that make me um, not happy with lactose I can totally have cheese
0: I'm lactose intolerant
2: he's lactose intolerant it's fucking (laughs) hilarious it's oh honey that has heavy cream in it and he's like well time to die (laughs) (laughs) anyways back to the film I did not know they set that up they did. I'm so mad I missed that, because the whole time I'm sitting- You saw my face, I'm like, what the
0: fuck is and happening? honestly, the only reason- and honestly, the only reason I remembered it was because I- re- I, When it was said, and I heard it, I was like, oh, that's interesting, I didn't realize that. And- Cut to this whole fucking yeah, scene. It just a setup for this fucking actual plot point.
2: <laughs> Alright, putting the train back on the tracks. Um- Carlo says, oh, would you like some milk? That's pretty much all I have to drink. Like, yeah, sure, I'll have a glass of milk. He pours her a glass of milk, goes to pour him a glass of milk, and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this one was fine. Why is that one leaking? Wait, this one's leaking. Wait a minute. And he kind of like goes to smell it. He doesn't smell anything, but he's like, Anna, stop, and he takes the glass out of her hand. She doesn't drink it. She puts it up to her mouth. And then he touches, like, his to it, like, gently to his finger, puts it in his mouth, starts spitting out. He goes, they poisoned the milk. They were going to get us. Like, if I didn't stop you, we'd both be dead. Like, holy shit. So, at this point, Cookie tells Carlo that Bianca must have died because the killer suspected she had evidence. And then remembering that Lori mentioned the locket, um, they discover Bianca was buried with her locket, so we're going to have to do some grave robbing. So they end up going to the family crypt, opening the casket, and they find the note. And they're trying to open it. It's like, I, we can't open it. It's taped. Just give it to me. I'll, I'll head out. So Cookie is like, just give it to me. Secure the casket. Fig- do everything. We'll get out of here. So while Carlo is securing the casket, putting all the screws back in, Cookie slams the door, like just slams the crypt door. And Carlo is panicking. He's like, oh shit, oh shit, what's happening? So he decides to hide and stay quiet. Cookie then opens it again. And we see that his cane has a knife at the end of it. And it's covered in blood. The Cookie doesn't say anything for a bit. He just stumbles in like, and he obviously is blind. His eyes are wide, but you can tell he's seen some shit. And it was at that point I went, "Oh, is Cookie been the fucking killer the entire time?" And I was like, "God damn it, no! He's cool. I don't get it." But when Cookie says, "Carlo, god damn it, say something!" Like, "Are you in here?" Like, like I, he, they tried to take the note. They tried to take the note. Um, and he's like well you, did you give it to him I was like yes he has Lori and that's when I realized oh the killer is his niece like it's it's over this guy is distraught so the killer pretty much says lay low for a couple of days don't fucking say anything or I'll kill her and he's like well, well I don't know what to do I don't know what to do so both Cookie and Carlo rush to the police but not don't say anything then they go to the uh, Terezi Institute nope Back up. They they cut a whole scene out of this uh, synopsis. So the two of them decide that they're going to inform Mr. Terzi, uh and the police, and they go to the house and they're kind of like questioning everybody standing there. Um, and one of the people that um is not there is Brom. Brahm was killed in an earlier scene. Now, what's interesting about Brahm is they said he was a funny sort of fellow.
0: Yes, and that's actually something I wanted to mention because we do get a glimpse of like 70s drag culture in this.
2: Because when he opens, when. Carlo is going to question Brom, and they said he goes to a specific club. Go there. He opens the door, and you just see a bunch of gentlemen around, and you see some ladies. And then what did I say? I was like, "Oh hey, wow, that woman's very manly." And that's when you went. That's because it is a man. And I was like, "Did Sean just point out the drag queens to me?"
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we before we we get to this scene, they they mention that Brom has. He's referred to as a strange sort of fellow. So like essentially back at this point, if you had those proclivities, Mm. that's how they would refer to you. They wouldn't say that you're gay or something like that. They'd kind of mask it over. Is
2: that where the the phrase queer came from? Strange sort of fellow? Like, oh, because what is the true definition for?
0: I don't know that offhand.
2: In a non-offensive way. Meaning of the word queer. Queer, strange, odd. So, yeah. So, the word queer started as being strange or odd. So, if you said that person was a strange sort of fellow or strange sort of lady, it would turn into queer. And now you have a very derogatory term, which I honestly, I like the gay community taking queer back. Yeah. I really do. I don't think, and obviously I'm... Gay myself.
0: I mean, what's wrong with being strange or unusual?
2: Uh, I have the t-shirt in my closet (laughs) that says that. Thank you, Winota Ryder. But, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with taking back these words. Like, take back the word queer. I mean, I would rather be known as queer than normal. 150%. So, Carlo goes to talk to Brom. And Brom kind of, like, explains a little bit more of, like, what they were doing As opposed to, because Brom was in an earlier scene, we just kind of forgot about this point. But Brom isn't with them, because unfortunately, when Carlo went to go follow up with Brom, Brom was attacked by, or or no, Carlo was attacked by Brom's lover or boyfriend?
0: Yeah, I forget the character's name, but he's like, basically his... I I don't know if he's a lover or if he's just a bodyguard or what he is. Something. Yeah.
2: But when Carlo goes there, knocks on the door, realizes that like nobody's there, he gets attacked. And you know, the, the bodyguard or the lover was like, why are you here? He's like, I'm here to see Brahm. I'm not here to start anything. He was like, Brahm's over there. And Brahm's on the couch with fucking this really fancy, like letter opener just stuck through his chest. I was like, Oh shit. They got him. So there's another one from the Institute down. So when they go to um, Terezin's house, they're kind of like talking about and then you hear a vase crash and everybody's looking up the stairs and Anna's coming down the stairs with her hand wrapped in uh, like a a handkerchief with blood on it. She seems kind of like nonchalant. She's like bleeding, but she's still dead in the eyes. So, you know, good way to stay in character, I guess. Um, But this is where she gets a little bit more passionate uh, was happy to see the actress kind of bite a little bit but not really bite like well like this was not an Oscar worthy performance but you know it gave a little clap
0: it was better it
2: was better um <laughs> Carlo interrogates her and says, we found the information that says that you're adopted, that you're more than a daughter to him. Like, when were you going to tell me? Because obviously they've had sex, so now there are feelings. Um, And she was like, I was going to tell you. It's I, I just didn't have a time to tell you. And he's like, you're the killer. You're doing all of this, you know cookie stabbed somebody this evening. Where'd you get that wound? And she's like, you really think you figured this out? You really think it's me? And for a moment, the way she was talking, I really did think it was her. But it wasn't until she said something like, along the lines of, you're a stupid man who's jumping to conclusions, basically. And I was like, it's not her. She's actually hurt by this, that you would even consider. Mm -hmm. He even says, oh, it took you a good minute to drink the milk. And she was just more or less like, oh, why is it taking him so long to come back to bed, you know, rather than, oh, I'm going to wait for him to die and go, ah, and then pour the the poison milk all over his body kind of thing. I don't know. So, you know, they decide, all the men decide they're going to go to the Institute and try to see if (coughs) Lori's there, but they can't find her. So, Carlo is leaving one of the rooms and notices that his collar is covered in blood. He's like, where the fuck does this come from? So he's backtracking his steps and realized the blood was dripping from the ceiling, which means that while they were in that room, someone who was stabbed was leaning over watching them and bleeding on them. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go up to the roof and figure this out. And as he's kind of going up to the roof and he finds... um <clears throat> Casino, Dr. Casino, who I was really excited because on the, not on the Wikipedia page, but on like the IMDb page, it's advertised that Argento played this. C-
0: Cassoni.
2: So Sony with a K? Ca. Cassoni. 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 Um, I'm bad at Italian. I'm not Italian at all, guys. I'm really sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm also going through puberty over here. <sighs> um, uh, Cassoni... Is the killer, and now Carlo and Cassoni are running after each other, um, trying to figure out, you know, what's what's happening. So Cassoni gets to Lori before anybody else can and attempts to stab her. And at this point, Cassoni has beaten the ever-living shit out of Carlo. He hit him in the face with a two-by-four as hard as he could. He's punched him. He's thrown him from one roof to the next. And this dude's still going, manages to stop him from stabbing Lori. He gets stabbed by, in the by shoulder. By literally
0: jumping, jumping in front of the front knife. Of the, knife.
2: Uh, the police get to the roof. They chase Cassoni. Cookie stops him with the cane blade. Um Cassoni pretty much confesses everything. He initially broke in to replace the records that show he tested positive for the XYY chromosome. So basically proving that he had criminal tendencies. Uh, now we can see. Yeah. Um, when Cookie asks about Lori, Casino pretty much says, "I killed her. I stabbed her. She's dead." He is absolutely enraged so he throws him through the skylight which throws him into a elevator elevator shaft which you see him trying to grab on but his hands are getting mutilated by the metal and then you just hear him thud and oh god it was hard to watch that scene
0: crunches against the top of the elevator
2: and then all you hear is Lori go cookie cookie and you're like oh god she didn't die Oh, good. And then movie end. That's it. Boom. Done. Killer's dead. Lori's okay. There's nothing else you need to know. We don't know
0: know if, uh, survives. Like, we don't know anything.
2: We don't know if he and Anna uh, reconciled. We don't know if they ever figure out really what, what happened. I hate when movies end end like this. I hate it. Cause now we don't know what happens next. But this one, I was like, Okay all right i've come to realize that argento films end like this
1: <laughs> i need finale. to accept it
2: <laughs> this is the third actual Argento because we uh, we watched the on our own we've watched uh crystal plumage this one what was the other argento film we watched the beyond is not an argento film i know you said that no, no we've will this is the third one this yeah, is only this the, third the third one um and this is the first time you're seeing this one too correct <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I know a lot of, or knew a lot about this one going in because just from years of being a horror fan and mm. hearing about it, but I'd never actually gotten a chance to watch it.
2: No. I was slightly disappointed going into it, knowing it wasn't going to be a true horror film, but I'm getting more into these these older 70s, 60s thrillers. I like these. These are cool. This is like a nice movie to like like oh let's watch an older movie okay you're sitting there on a saturday night with popcorn watching an older film and you can do like the entire trilogy which this movie's only like an hour and a half you know you can sit there for four and a half hours and watch all the whole trilogy have a good time be like yeah this is great when we watch these films like we do an hour and a half of this and then however long it takes for the podcast usually our recordings mimic the length of the film sometimes There's only been a couple where they've been shorter. Yeah. Like, usually we talk about the same amount that the movie is, just because there's a lot to cover in some of these films. And it's interesting to talk about them. But but I do appreciate that Argento has horror. Like, Suspiria is a beautiful horror film. Beautiful horror film. It is not hack and slash. It is not stabby stabby. It is a beautiful, like... Just suspense Kind of thriller And I was really excited When I saw the trailer For the newer Sisperia, Like years and years ago And I was always interested To see it Because I like Ballerinas I like dancers So that what's Caught my eye And then after meeting you And being like Oh Susperia, That's a remake Like really We haven't watched The newer Susperia. No We don't own The newer Susperia, do, do we do not um, But you had me watch What's the Black Swan Yeah, I watched Black Swan, and I was very interested in watching Suspiria, so we ended up watching it. And I adored Suspiria. So I was like, let me give the other Ardento movies a chance. And I will always give his films a chance. I don't care if it's a fucking weirdo comedy. It will have those elements that made me love Suspiria in it.
0: Well, luckily, you never have to suffer through a weirdo comedy from Argento, because he doesn't make that kind of movie.
2: Unless he starts going off his rocker in these later years, because he just came out with a new one recently. That's
0: true, and we haven't yet seen Dark Glasses. No,
2: we're going we're going older and going newer. I mean, I like the fact that we're doing the Animal Trilogy to start with Argento, so... Um,
0: something else that we can't finish this off without talking about is the score for this movie.
2: I didn't notice the score. How? (laughs) I was so engrossed in the film. So, it's weird. I'm a music person outside of film. You're a film person. But when we're watching the films, I pay attention to the film more than I do the score. And sometimes the score is what makes it for you in the film. And it's very interesting.
0: Well, the score for this is another incredible score by the infamous Ennio Morricone. I did read that. Who? This man is like the golden goose of film scores. Everything he does is fucking incredible.
2: So, John Williams or Danny Elfman kind of thing.
0: I mean, for me, he's top tier above them. So,
2: hear that fighting words.
0: This man's score in this movie is as it's incredibly jarring and somehow also immersive. Like. He, he grabs your attention with uh, sharp stabs when needed. And he allows the score to fade into the background with more elegant... Mem- uh, and he allows the score to fade into the background with more elegant melodies when it's appropriate. Like, I love that like his ability to just weave the score as as it needs to be rather than most of what we get out of scores here with u.s films is like either loud bombastic or it's just dark ominous tones and like Mm. lately scores i think have been getting better but there's still a lot that are just basic they're just the same cookie cutter shit over and over again don't have composers like this
2: anymore no i mean and like i said john williams danny elfman those are big composers uh howard shore um because he did all the lord of the rings and the hobbit movies that's how i know howard shore i want to talk about my absolute fucking tolkien nerdiness over here (laughs) um but you are right like you watch certain things like there's no scores like these older movies because like they didn't have special effects. Like the music and the dialogue had to immerse you as well as the visuals. And now like the only music I can remember from Marvel movies is when the end of end game when that burr, 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 burr. it's all
0: the same it, it is it's
2: all the same the music generally, doesn't isn't what gets you in those no, movies
0: generally if a score pops out in something like that it's a theme yeah it's not like the basic music that carries you through the whole thing that stuff is you you'll never remember it mm. the themes yeah you'll those will stick in your head but that's about it
2: Do you have any final thoughts on this uh lovely dario argento film
0: No, I think we should probably shift into closing questions. You got it. Did you have any favorites?
2: No. For once, I did not. The film's good. Nothing stood out. Uh, The Milk was weird. But, no. I don't have any favorites. I'm pretty neutral on this film. What about you?
0: Uh, I had a couple. Um, I liked The Train Death a lot. (laughs) That was pretty sick. Um... The milk scene was pretty prominent. Like, that revelation that, like, it had been set up so passively yeah. was really cool to me. There was also another scene that we didn't talk about. Okay. Um, there's this scene where uh, Giordani goes to a barber. and
2: Oh, yeah! He, he
0: basically goes for a quick shave, which is, like, common occurrence at that time. And he the way that this scene ha- happens like he essentially goes in and uh the bartender is talking to him he's trying to read the the article in the paper and the bartender is talking to him about the article saying like oh you see that they mentioned that uh, the killer could have been a barber because the uh the victim was slashed with a straight razor And so throughout the entire scene, as soon as this information hits Giordani's brain, he starts to get nervous. because He's in the hands of a barber at that moment. And the barber's kind of like waving around the straight razor. And he's slowly shaving his face. The way Argento shoots this is like... He... He allows the shots to get tighter and tighter as the scene goes on. As like uh, Giorgiani starts to grow more and more uncomfortable. And it's just this really small moment in the movie that really has. That you could have cut the scene out and it wouldn't have yeah, mattered. There's
2: no reason for it to be there.
0: But it was just so cool to see how he played it out. I just really enjoyed it.
2: I did forget about that scene. And I was more like what is the purpose of this of showing that other than showing that carlo is like he's oh, a little nervous he doesn't worry about all this shit like oh okay if you notice
0: he's actually kind of nervous throughout the whole movie
2: yeah they don't portray him as like i'll save you he's more or less like well i'm here guess i gotta yeah. do my job like
0: so you have like that scene with the barber you have where he's riding in the car with uh the girl oh
2: anna who doesn't know how to fucking drive
0: and he's like you get these he's shots of his like ripping, hands like white
2: knuckling his own car going <gasps> there's like they don't have seat belts in the cars no. so he's just thrashing everywhere and I'm dying like this guy is shitting himself
0: but there's a lot of a lot of nervous moments throughout the movie for him and that it's a very interesting little character mm. thing for him that he just he's not this tough as nails guy he he has Nervous tendencies. Uh, I thought it was cool. It made him. It humanized him more. Yeah. Do you feel you would have done anything differently on this one?
2: Um. That's tough because this, to me, isn't. Right now, out of the three that I've seen, this is not my favorite from Argento. This is a pretty basic one. This is just a follow-up to Crystal Plumage, which was his first, which was very good. Uh, that one had me on the edge of my seat. This one, not so much. And I think I even said during the film, I looked at you, I'm like, does this not have that spark, that snap? So I wouldn't do anything different with it, but I'd try to add a little more. I hate to say it this way, but I'd add a little more color or flavor to it. Something, something that needs something.
0: Okay, so as a follow up then. Where so far, based on what you've seen, where would this rank on your uh, giallo scale?
2: Three. This would be the bottom.
0: This would be the, the yeah. Lowest. It would
2: be Sisperia, Crystal Plumage, Cat and Nine Tails. Piece, is that an Argento film?
0: No, no, it's a giallo film.
2: All right, if we're going giallo, just style, straight giallo, just straight giallo. Uh, Susperia, The Beyond, Pieces, Plumage, Nine Tails. Okay, I. I need to re-watch the Beyond again. And I think I would need to re-watch... What was the third one I mentioned? Shit. Pieces. I really would need to re-watch those two. Because I remember being so... Because fu- Beyond was the first one you showed me. I was so fucking confused during the Beyond. So confused. I was like, what are we watching? And now I want to go back to it and be like, now I understand. Let's put that shit in. Let's watch that. Because last week, or no, the week before, when we finished godzilla what did i make you do i made you watch the first godzilla movie again the, the newer the new, ones the legendary, and yeah. i really started to like i want to get into godzilla i want to watch these i had such appreciation for godzilla 2014 after watching the first godzilla movie in japanese so much more appreciation maybe watching the beyond again that appreciation will double <coughs>
0: so I guess we'll have to revisit the beyond for the podcast at some point.
2: That's a great idea for something that, you know, if you sign up with Patreon, we could do a revisit. We haven't done it on the podcast. Oh, I thought you said pieces. <laughs> Backtrack. Sorry. I fucked up. Um, I would love to do the beyond. I really would, because that movie was so fucked up.
0: Yeah, that movie is very interesting. It's very unique.
2: And that one being my first giallo has really fucking spoiled the rest of this shit because I'm like, this is a fucking giallo film? What the fuck is Pieces?
0: Well, so
2: Is that the greatest one ever made? Pieces
0: is giallo that leans more towards slasher. Beyond,
2: the, Beyond? the
0: Beyond is giallo that
2: That's supernatural.
0: Supernatural. That's That's a very different type of giallo giallo traditionally is more like this Hmm. like when you get into stuff like the beyond and even susperia like you're branching out further from the traditional sense
2: is it bad for me to say that i think argento or giallo should stay in the horror genre genre i like it better there than i do in the thriller it
0: is it is in the horror genre it's just not
2: the only thing horror was that train kill, and that was amazing.
0: <laughs> I mean, giallo is essentially Italian slasher films. Yeah, basically. I mean, there was
2: slashing in this, so yeah, slashing milk.
0: So that brings us to the big question: Is this mainstream exploitation or other?
2: This is exploitation. Oh yes, this is an exploitation because I got it off the exploitation site. <laughs> don't tell me it's not exploitation giallo
0: inherently is exploitation yes
2: this is this is true this is true grindhouse material and that's why i was really interested in the animal trilogy because it's a grindhouse trilogy and that's what it said on the website like and i'm really excited to do the next one but that won't be until next year um because i wanted to make sure we did them one a year because it's cool But I really appreciate this is what Grindhouse exploitation is. It's not all titties and boobies and vaginas and, you know, killing and taking out intestines and stringing them on little hooks and going, hee 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 hee, like, that's what you'd think exploitation would be. No, I, I appreciate this. And you know, watching these, I do have a small, better appreciation... For as soon as the darkness small very tiny
0: that movie was great that
2: movie was terrible
0: no, it was so good. i
2: was so upset
0: it was so good
2: it marketed it as something completely different and i was so upset but i'm starting to understand a little bit more not everything is black and white leah some things are gray
0: absolutely
2: and that's the point of this podcast. Well, that's it, everyone. That's the final one. Good night. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Yes, she's just kidding. But that <laughs> does bring this discussion on Cat o Nine Tales to an end. But don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions.
1: This short cigar belongs to the man with no name. This long gun belongs to the man with no name. This poncho belongs to the man with no name. Diego, Heard you want to see me? <coughs> What's wrong, Ramon? You losing your touch? You kill you better hit the heart aim for the heart or you'll never stop me the man with no name danger fits him like a tight black glove he is perhaps the most dangerous man who ever lived get three coffins ready I don't think it's nice you laughing See, my mule don't like people laughing It's the crazy idea you're laughing at him Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to I might convince him that you really didn't mean it My mistake, four coffins This man with no name is played by Clint Eastwood. He's going to trigger a whole new style and adventure. A fistful of dollars is the first motion picture of its kind. It won't be the last.
0: Well, it took us a while, but... As much as it's going to hurt you, we have to do them eventually.
2: But, but you made me watch action already. I don't want to go into westerns.
0: We can't completely skip an entire genre. Especially one as big and prosperous as the western genre.
2: But hoping that I wouldn't have to watch a Clint Eastwood movie in my entire life.
0: Well, that was unavoidable considering he also... He's in fucking
2: everything. He's
0: also in like Magnum Force and stuff. I've never
2: seen Magnum Force. Those
0: are like cop movies from the Grindhouse era. I hate cop movies. But you're gonna watch them. (laughs) And it might help you a little that this one and the Man with No Name trilogy is are technically italian films
2: you did mention that because you we went to a goodwill and on that goodwill shelf was the entire thing a whole fist uh what was the man with no name trilogy Damn. the whole thing was there and you started like oh that's great and all of these movies because my grandfather loves westerns l- loves them um bonanza is on his television constantly I always thought Westerns were cheesy and silly and stupid. That's why I honestly, Love Back to the Future, hate the third one. It's not I don't like the third uh, one. It's it's just it's silly. Well, silly.
0: We are going to cover Westerns. They're unavoidable. At least some of the more prominent ones.
2: I've never heard of this, but I have seen that face. Yes. That exact picture of Clint Eastwood.
0: This uh this is gonna be the first of the what is called the Dollars trilogy, which is Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, and The Good, The Bad and the Ugly.
2: Oh. The and last one I've heard of. The
0: last one is the most famous one. Yeah. It's arguably the best one.
2: That's weird that the third one is the I best know, one.
0: It's the most popular one. It's the I think that has a lot to do with the cast of the third one, because you got Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef. Like it's a really good matchup Mm. but we'll get more into that I'm sure as we go through these Uh,
2: alright I'm trusting you
0: Tetra as you should oh god but to wrap things up if you want to keep up on everything that we're doing. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films that we previously covered. All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us every Monday morning and give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing and you want to show this show some support, you can subscribe to us over on Patreon or directly through Acast where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening or unlock some fun exclusive bonus content that we are slowly trying to put out for our supporters. Until next week, I'm Sean. And I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching.
2: Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors.